as you can see, I brought attention to it as I walked up. I had to lock this right here because it's more effective when I have to unlock it and the anticipation is growing and what's inside. But it wasn't locked. I don't know if little hands unlocked it before the sermon, but I had to fix that. So we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but welcome to everybody this afternoon. So I'm, you can probably guess, what, what is this? If you can see this over here, this chest, what comes to mind when you look at it? Travel, okay. Old clothes. Oh, clothes. <laughs> no, just no more answering questions in the sermon because that's like way off in left field for you. No more. All right, we need ones that are closer. Travel with treasures. Okay, thank you. No, just kidding. That's what I could. He knows I'm playing. I could play with him. Um, so yes, the, this is a treasure chest. In fact, I was telling some ladies earlier today um, when I rolled it in uh, that when my sister and I went to college, we both we didn't go out of state actually, but we did go a few hours away from home. And uh, my aunt and uncle, I don't know if they just liked it or what, but they rolled this in and they were like, well, you're going to college, so you must need one of these. I'm like, okay, all right, I guess I do. Well, apparently I've needed it way beyond college because it's still here with me. And uh, it does other things now. Actually, it did hold blankets for a while, so you're not far off from the old clothes. Uh, but now it's where the kids, you know, put their toys in in the basement, and, you know, we can kind of use our imaginations with it. But um, I, I want to, this afternoon, what I want to do is kind of talk about a good adventure story. Who likes a good adventure story, whether it's a book or a movie? I, I do, too, sometimes. I kind of like Hallmark. There's not much adventure in Hallmark, um, but sometimes I need less because my life is an adventure right now, so I need the boringness of Hallmark to balance that. But anyway, uh, most people do love a good adventure story. Um, and, you know, particular this afternoon, I want to talk about and focus on the treasure hunt kind of a story. So I thought about, I thought, what about, what kind of books are out there? What, you know, kind of movies? There's a lot of them out there, but I thought of a few, that classic Treasure Island, uh, and, you know, it's always in a beautiful bound book on Barnes & Noble shelf for the uh, holiday season to buy for your loved one to just sit on a shelf, you know, for the next 20 years, but it looks pretty. Uh, then there's stories like the classic Indiana Jones you know, that's a good one. And I thought for the kids, you know, this, this afternoon that there's DuckTales. You ever see little DuckTales episodes? And uh, you have the rich Uncle, Uncle Scrooge McDuck, and he swims in his gold in every episode and dives in, and the rubies are popping out of the gold. And there's always a bad guy trying to steal his riches in the episode and his little three triplet, uh, I don't know, are they triplets? The nephews. Um, they always help nab the bad guy and protect their uncle's riches. I'm sure that uh, they hope to inherit that one day. But I would protect it, too, with my life. So, this, you know, it's, it, uh, it's pretty realistic there. But, um, you know, there's other stories, I think, that, you're, that are coming to mind that maybe you read or maybe that you've seen and is a favorite uh, about these quests for treasures or riches, things that are so valuable. And I thought of one that uh, 
actually my mom did. I was talking to my mom and she said, well, what about, you know, in our own U.S. history, the California gold rush? You know, that was a real quest for the promise of riches um, that, you know, helped our country grow and, you know, become what it is today. And uh, so all of these treasure stories, what do they have in common? Um, they're all quests. They're all stories of a quest for something very, very valuable for sometimes hidden treasures, but for treasures nonetheless. And, you know, there's always this treasure there are, the characters are on the quest for of ultimate worth. And there's always the character that, um, or maybe a few, that accepts this challenge of the quest of seeking the precious treasure at any cost. And and then there's characters that, and th those are the characters that make the story, the ones that start in the beginning and make it to the end, because they'll go through any means to find it. And then there's, uh, you know, then there's a point in the story where the journey gets kind of difficult, and then you always have that point where they come across the skeletal remains of those who have gone before and have been unsuccessful in their quest to find the treasure. But they serve as a reminder that it must be worth it because somebody else died trying to get there. So we better just keep going because we're not dead yet. So that's actually a part very motivating. You would think somebody would say, well, I give up. And you do have those characters that say, well, I give up. I mean, they didn't even make it. I, I, I don't know if I believe in this anymore. So you have those and the, the characters that kind of bow out of their commitment because they no longer believe that there's a treasure worth seeking after all. But in the end, you know, what we like to get to at the end of the movie and what we like to read at the end of the book uh, is the ones that held on are the ones that find what they were looking for. And in a lot of storylines, you know, the things they learned along the way were the things that actually were more valuable than the riches that they ended up with at the end, although that's not, you know, a bad thing to add to the riches of what you learned, you know, real riches. I wouldn't mind that. Uh, but they found what they sought after, and that reward was worth the challenge and the difficulty and the long road and the sacrifices along the journey. So, we talked about adventure stories. Now we're going to kind of look at uh, the scriptures here. And if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 15, we're going to sit in there or uh, scroll with me to Luke chapter 15. Got to change my language. Um, this chapter, the whole of this chapter, is comprised of three parables of Jesus, spoken by Jesus. And Jesus often spoke using parables when trying to teach his disciples, uh, or sometimes it was the crowds listening. Um, these parables are fictional stories used to convey a moral or a religious principle. And they're actually quite effective. Uh, and, and it makes my preaching today a whole lot easier because, you know, Jesus said it and I could, we just talk about that and it's right there. So I don't have to explain a whole lot. But uh, sometimes parables can be a little like riddles. I don't think the ones I have today are like riddles, but uh, they are an effective form of um, teaching these important principles. So we're going to kind of read this through this chapter bit by bit together. 
And in this chapter, Jesus is teaching a group of religious leaders, it says, uh, the Pharisees. And he's trying to teach them a lesson about his love for sinners. Apparently, these religious leaders had made a complaint. They were complaining about Jesus, uh, that he's talking to sinners. He's talking to those people like tax collectors, the scripture says, and, and other notorious sinners is what the NLT says, which just means that the list was probably so long that they didn't include it all. They just said the other notorious sinners. So you can see how uh, the Pharisees viewed everyone else. Pretty much anyone other than themselves was just not uh, up to par. They weren't spiritual. They, didn't, they weren't like them. So you're just in that other notorious sinner category if you weren't one of them. And so they wanted to set Jesus straight, and they rebuked him for mingling with such people. And Jesus then responds with this series of short parables that we're going to work through. And so I'm going to start uh, in chapter 15 in verses 4 through 7. The first, uh, the three parables that we're going to read are the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, or we often hear it as the prodigal son. So in 4 through 7, we're first reading the lost sheep. It says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So remember, this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisee, the religious leaders. In this parable, a shepherd wants to find the sheep that has gone astray, that has become lost from the flock. And from what we know about sheep, they're herd animals. They won't survive long on their own. They also rely on their shepherd, the one who protects them and nourishes them and cares for them and loves them. Sheep need a shepherd. And it's my understanding that um, sheep aren't very bright. So they may be dumb enough, if I can you know, excuse the harshness of how that sounds, but they may be dumb enough to get lost and stray from their herd and from the protection of their shepherd. But I, I don't think that they have strayed and, and, and become lost. You know, They haven't realized this until it's too late. And then the little dumb sheep is just eating its little, little dumb grass. And it's like, I haven't heard the voice of my shepherd lately. I don't see any, I don't see any of my little sheepy community around. I see a lot of green and no white. So they kind of realize this and, you know, they're little, no one's in sight. The shepherd's nowhere to be found, can't see it. I don't know, can sheep see that far? Who knows? I bet the shepherd doesn't have to be that far for the sheep not to be able to see. Uh, but here lies the problem. There's no built-in GPS system in their little pea brains. And 
that would be a problem for me because even with the GPS system, Aaliyah was with me yesterday and who else? Candace was right. And yeah, I had my GPS system on. We, we missed our turn. So, you know, and it was, and it was talking too. It, I just have issues. But, you know, I can really relate to these little, little, little dumb sheepies. And um, so they don't have the GPS system even to even try to find their way back to their shepherd. So unless the shepherd goes searching for the lost sheep, that lost sheep cannot be found um, because the sheep don't have the capability to seek after their own shepherd. So based on that, I think it's safe to assume that while a lost sheep may not know it's lost, it definitely wants to be found by its shepherd. Because at least they know on some little pea brain level that they need their shepherd. That makes them sound uh, kind of smart, actually. You know, we're talking about dumb sheep, but, you know, that's kind of smart. Um, I, I, say that, I say that because sheep know how to distinguish the voice of their shepherd from other voices. And Jesus even says this when speaking about his voice in scriptures as our shepherd. Uh, and the church is his flock when he says, my sheep know my voice. And that's why it's so important for us to know the voice of our shepherd and as Christians. Um, because it's, it was a warning to those that follow him, make sure you know the voice of your shepherd because that's what's going to make all the difference. Not the fact that you might stray and get lost. Not that a shepherd wants that. But that you can hear and know the voice of your shepherd so that you are able to find your way back to him and follow him. And so when we say this voice of God, uh, for anyone today where, well, what do you mean the voice of God? What I mean by that is knowing how God, the, the leading of the Spirit operates in your own life. God leads each and every one of us, and for some, it is an audible voice that you might hear, like that little small voice that Scripture talks about. And for others, it might just be that stillness of his presence that you, you know the Lord is leading you. But however we hear God, it's got to align with the Word of God and in Scriptures. Amen. And we've been given the Word of God so that we can measure uh, everything against it. So, somehow, a lost sheep must know. And they must know, I, I need whoever is attached to that little voice that I hear, the one that is my shepherd. I know I need that voice. I know I need that person, that shepherd, for my protection and my survival. So, now, this parable only captures the joy of the shepherd when he finds the lost sheep. What we read, it said, he called his neighbors, they came together and he said, look, 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 my sheep has been found, let's rejoice in that. But I'm pretty sure, when I thought about it, I, I thought, I'm pretty sure the sheep would be equally joyful, we just can't understand it. It's just doing its little whatever sheep do. You know, it's little little sound. I don't even know how to, ba there, ba ba. I have kids and I don't even know ba. 
I don't teach my kids the, the, the uh, animal sounds. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, they do a little baba. We don't know what they're saying. But I, I bet you that sheep is equally happy that it has been found. Uh, and it knows that it's back under the protection and the care of its shepherd. Because it certainly would not have survived very long without its shepherd. And I'm sure it would have been grateful that, as the scripture said that we read, that its shepherd valued the one that had gotten lost as much as he valued the 99 that the shepherd still had safely in the field, in the pen, uh, waiting for their return home. So, of course, you know, the message here is that this shepherd, uh, like this shepherd, Jesus treasures all of his sheep. Scriptures say that we are his sheep. The church is his sheep. And he treasures all of us, every one, even the one that has strayed. And elsewhere in scriptures, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, our good shepherd. And he seeks after every one of us, just as this shepherd sought after and was so committed to seeking after and finding his one lost sheep this, uh, in this parable. And I'm just grateful this morning for that access to this good shepherd. Amen. Amen. And while sheep can't seek after their shepherd, we can. We, we, we might be a little bit dummy-dumb, you know, not to call anyone dumb, but we might, we might relate to the sheep in, in some ways, but they might not have the ability to, to find their way back to their shepherd, but we certainly can because we can learn the, the voice of God in our lives and what that is and how to identify that and find our way back. And we have an opportunity at the end of this message today, communally, to be able to respond to that spirit at the conclusion of the message this afternoon. And so our next parable that we have here is the lost coin. And we're going to read uh, verses 8 through 10. It says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I've found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. So, similar theme. We're, we're seeing a theme here. It's the point of the, these parables uh, sequentially here in this chapter. And in this parable, we read about a woman who's searching, not for a sheep, but for her lost coin. Unlike this sheep, a coin is an inanimate object. It's a thing. It doesn't even have a pea brain. It has nothing. It can't think. It can't feel emotions. It just lays there. A coin always lays where it's not supposed to be. It's never where, you know, you got to grab for your change, or I don't know who has coins or, or bills anymore. I don't, I don't carry that much anymore. But whenever I need my Aldi quarter, it's never where it's supposed to be. And I have to look pathetic, so somebody's like, take the cart and keep the quarter. It's, it's okay. <laughs> and then I'm just like, thank you so much. I, I had my quarter. I don't know. I have three kids. Some, they did something with it. I, 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 my quarter was supposed to be in this car. Somebody cleaned the car. 
that's why you don't clean, because then things get moved. So coins are just never where they're supposed to be. They just lay there, and they're there. And so <clears throat> coins don't know, though. They, so they don't know. They're just a thing. They don't know that they're being sought after. This coin didn't know that its owner was seeking for it. Um, you know, and it has no idea that it needs to be found. So I feel like some of us were maybe this coin. You know, we didn't know that there's a God seeking after us, and we didn't necessarily know at some point in our lives, or maybe today, that we needed to be found. But we can see ourselves in some of these own, uh, see ourselves in some of these parables. But we're thankful that God seeks us simply because he loves us. And it's that grace of God that the Bible talks about that's extended to all. Uh, there's no requirements. There's no tests to pass. There's no skills to acquire. Uh, we're just simply sought out by God because of his great love. Amen. And he really desires that everyone find him. That's scripture as well. So a coin also can't be aware of the value it has to the one it belongs to. Because to the owner of the coin, in, in this parable, it's this woman, that coin is a precious treasure, or else she wouldn't be so committed to finding it. And because of its value to her, she won't give up on looking for it until it's found. And so, likewise, this parable teaches us a similar thing, and a, lesson, a similar lesson as it did the sheep. That God seeks after us, and he seeks relationship with us, amen, in the same way that we see in this commitment, in the lost sheep and in the lost coin parable. God is relentlessly seeking after each of us, even if you're like the little coin who doesn't know something, God is searching for it, I'm saying seeking and searching, uh, or even if you're like the sheep that knows your shepherd has gone far, but you can't find your way back. God is much like that in his seeking after us because we are as precious to him as that sheep is to the shepherd and as that coin is to the woman because we are his treasured creation. Amen. You're his treasure whether you realize that or not today. But some of us, don't know yet that we, we actually want to be found by God, by the one who seeks us. But you know, you can't give God a reason why he wouldn't seek you, why he'd stop seeking after you. If you look at these two parables, just as the shepherd wasn't satisfied with the having 99 out of 100 of his sheep safely in the fields, and just as the woman wasn't satisfied, the scripture said she had nine out of her ten coins. Well, she wasn't satisfied with that. God isn't satisfied with partials either. Amen. He died for all so that all might know him and have this gift that he has for us, life abundantly in this life and eternal life with him and the treasure that that is in the next. So God won't be satisfied with just the 99 out of 100 today. He won't be satisfied with just the 9 out of 10. He seeks us all. And that stemmed from the very, very beginning. If you read scripture, open up that Bible in Genesis, in the very beginning, you'll see this is very evident. 
And it stems from that beginning of time and his promises to pursue and seek after all and everyone until the end of time as we know it. And so the, what we have here is the last uh, parable that we come across in this passage. And it's a little bit longer, so I didn't want to read the entire thing. Uh, but I will start with verse 11 and we'll read through 20. And then I have a little couple verses at the end that I will uh, also get to. And this one starts, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. That was nice. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. That wasn't so nice. Uh, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. That's where I'm going to end in verse uh, 20 there. <clears throat> so this story, if you read the whole thing, is truly a beautiful story. But it's also kind of mad <coughs> excuse me, maddening. I got some dust or something. It's caught. I feel it. Not even talking about sand today. <clears throat> Didn't this happen last time I was talking about sand? Just It's what? It's my last quarter. Oh, if I could do the magic trick to just bring that out. <clears throat> I haven't learned that yet. Uh, that's true. It's my last quarter. Ah, just choked, That choked me up. Yeah. Um, but the story is also kind of maddening because of the response of the father. You know, he's just so, he's so kind. I don't know. I feel like I just have a lot to learn from uh, his example in this parable, and that's a good thing. We all have a, a thing or two to learn, always. Um, but what's evident from this story is that, you know, even though we didn't read through all of it, the father of the lost son never wanted his son. He never desired that his son stayed lost, remain lost. He didn't wish him never to return. We don't read that. Or plot against him with the older son, and, you know, he had the two sons, so the older son that stayed and was the, uh, you know, did the right things and uh, honored his father. He didn't set up a plot to get, again, to get back at his younger son who had strayed. He didn't make it difficult for him even. As you read the uh, next few scriptures, it talks about the, this magnificent grand welcome that the younger son had received upon returning home. And he didn't make it difficult for him to return home when he did. Uh, but I'm sure he certainly hadn't divided his wealth at the request of this younger son just to kick him out of the house either. Oh, good, I'll give it to him now, and then he can go. That's good. No, the story doesn't include that. 
Those weren't the motivations. But you really get this sense in the story that the father never wanted the son, never desired that the son would remain lost. But simply, he just simply wanted his son to return home safely. And what distinguishes this parable uh, from the other two is the response of the son. Why was this son missing in the first place? By his choice. Why was he missing for some period of time? You can tell from the story that there was uh, a period of time that, that went by uh, that the son you know, spent all of his riches and his wealth. And so he was gone for a while. That was by choice. Uh, the son, for some period of time, it's evident here, that he did not want to be found. He did not want to be found. It was a choice, at least for a period of time. And by the response of his father after his return, it, there was great rejoicing when the son returned home. He gets this grand welcome home with, without a blip. It's like the father knew someday he'd come back, and that was his hope and desire, and so he was ready to, you know, pop the confetti and to bring out the dishes and the, uh, the, the, the china he only got out once a year, and, you know, the turkey and the, you know, slay all the best animals. The father was ready for this return, and he gave him the very best. He gave him the very best clothes to uh, change into, and he celebrated, the scripture says, his son's safe return home with this feast that was fit for a king. And, and the scriptures say in the rest of the story that this ceremony, this celebration, made his older son, the one that had been faithful to him, very, very angry and jealous, to which his father replies in verse 31 and 32 to his older son. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and had come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Amen. Amen. Again, the father's response here tells us a lot. Namely, that the fact that his younger son was so precious to him, always had been, and that hadn't changed. And the fact that he treasured his son, both of them, but his youngest son, to the point of rejoicing in response to his selfishness and his sin, is just indicative of this unconditional love and incredible patience, parents, yes, amen, that he had. And, you know, nothing, nothing, not even this rebellious, selfish son could have changed his love for him and the patience that he exerted. And now the son, well, the son had valued other things and treasured things that almost destroyed his life. And that was by choice. And by choice, he didn't want to be found for at least a season until he did. There came a point he did want to be found again. And it was only upon his return and this unconditional love and reception he received from his father that he began to again treasure what is truly precious in life. And that was a relationship with his father. And you can probably see where this is landing, that God loves us unconditionally, just as that father loved both of his sons 
unconditionally. When this one son got angry, he didn't say the door's there, goodbye. No, he loved him in his anger and jealousy. He stayed constant. And that's the example that Jesus is to us as well. And I imagine that this older brother, you know, would have, would have liked nothing more than the father to say, well, I used to have two sons, but now I just have one. You know, it kind of feels good sometimes to be singled out. I did the right thing. That's my reward. That, you know, I'm, I'm the, the faithful son and, and uh, we'll forget about the one who didn't do what I did. Of course, that's self-righteous and not at all the example that, that, that we should uh, be and that we see in the scripture here. But just like the shepherd couldn't be satisfied with the 99, or the woman with the coin couldn't be satisfied with just the nine coins, the father wouldn't be satisfied with just the one son. And God is incredibly patient with those of us who, like the younger brother, might decide for some reason that we don't want to be found. You might be satisfied with that decision like the younger brother was for a while. But God simply cannot be. Don't be mistaken. Don't believe that God, that doesn't affect God. One of my points today is that God seeks after both you and me, always, forever. That's his commitment. And nothing can change the mind of God about that. So whatever you think is this good reason why God would give up on you is not of God at all. Like the Father, those who choose not to be found, that grieves God. When we treasure the things that are contrary to the word of God, it's hard to value and desire the treasures that are promised in the word of God. We might choose for a season. That's not treasure. What I want is truly what is uh, precious to me. I know that it sounds so simple, uh, but that's the lesson here. And it's true for us as well. God is so patient with us. And when you choose to be found again, like this youngest son did, God will, will not only be waiting. Has anyone experienced that? He'll receive you with open arms and rejoice with all of heaven, as the scriptures say. And I'm just so thankful for God's tender mercy and his patience. I don't know that I would want God's job. That's too much patience for me. Uh, but God just does that so perfectly. He does. And I just thank him for that this afternoon. And so God is, he's just relentless in seeking after us all, like the shepherd, like the woman, like the father that we read about in Luke chapter 15, because we are his treasures. And God will not be satisfied with less than all, but we each individually have to desire to seek after him within our own hearts. And so the point, you know, what uh, these parables are often taught uh, to, to um, make the point, to focus on that we are all lost, all lost people. It doesn't matter if you're a sheep or 
the coin or the son. The point of the stories is they were all lost. And the reason why doesn't really matter. Lost is lost. But my focus really today is more on the search. That we're all searching for something. And God seeks after us like the shepherd after his sheep, like the woman and her coin, and like the father after his son. And so my focus today is on being found. God, God wants to be found by us. He did. That's his desire. It's his mission. It's his quest, if we want to use that, that word that we were talking about earlier, uh, quest for the, the treasures, the adventure stories. And God seeks after us like precious treasure because each of us are that valuable to him. And likewise, in another group of parables spoken by Jesus in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 and 46, we are promised that if we place our faith in God and commit to, to live by his ways, that it'll be worth it. Whatever we have to turn from or sacrifice or give up in this life. So quickly, just a couple scriptures here. These parables are very short. Let's read the parable of the treasure and the pearl. It says, the kingdom of heaven, these are our promises to us. This is why I'm reading these. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. So musicians, if you or whoever wants to come up, I'm, going, I'm getting ready to close. The message of these two short parables is simple. That, that nothing compares to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. When the man in this parable and the merchant sold everything they owned for the treasure they found in the field and the pearl, what they once called precious, they were hanging on to something before that, but what they once called precious, precious was worthless compared to the treasure that they had found. Nothing in this life is more valuable than salvation in Jesus' name. And these scriptures speak to that treasures that are waiting for us in heaven. There's that scripture in uh, Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 33 and 34. I think the AV has it, but if not, that's okay. And it talks about the treasure in the here and now, a relationship with God. Uh, when we seek his kingdom first, it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. I like the message version of the Bible says, don't worry about missing out. And that's exactly what the message is of that uh, parable of the treasure and the pearl. The merchant and the man with the field, they discovered, oh, we're not missing out on anything by hanging on, by letting that go. We're not missing out on everything. We have the true treasure in eternal life with Jesus and the blessings he has for us in this life. So what we really need is God, and God will supply all of our needs. 
all that stuff, whatever stuff is in your life, whatever that word means, whatever is attached to that, it just won't have the same value in light of the treasure that a relationship with Jesus Christ has. So today, you may be in search of truth. God is truth. Maybe today, is anyone in here seeking peace? I know a lot of people, including myself, needing that in this day and age that we live in. This God is the God of peace. Anybody seeking love? The Bible says that God is love. Anyone seeking a fresh start? Your search will end with Jesus Christ because he makes all things new. Whatever you're seeking, you will find it in God. Anybody seeking joy? I mean, it's a joyous season right now, but we need joy more than just around Christmas. Maybe the holidays this year, they're not sparking joy because of circumstances of this year in your life. The Holy Spirit produces joy within us, the scriptures say. And today, if you need that Holy Spirit living inside of you, God has a gift to give you. It's Holy Spirit in your own life with the infilling of his spirit as you speak in other tongues in your prayer as the scriptures say. God has that for you today. You can seek this gift and have it. Amen. I know today we have a baptism. We're going to follow this call for our altar call. Simply we just ask you respond to the spirit of God in your seats if you're comfortable. If you're comfortable to come up, some like to come up here and seek after God uh, in the front. But we have a baptism today, and someone has uh, this week expressed the desire to get dunked right over here in baptism. Yes, we thank God for that. You know that pleases God, and we are believing to God to continue to do a work in their life today. So um, as I do the altar call, Arash, if you want to help, yep, if you want to help um, who wants to get baptized, uh, please stick around if you'd like to celebrate. That's part of what we get to do as the, the church and the body of Christ is celebrate with one another when somebody makes that step and makes that decision. So as I close, I didn't give you my title yet, and that was on purpose. What matters is what each of us chooses to do right now with the question that I'm going to leave us with. God wants to be found. The seeker will always find God. In other words, if you seek after him, you will find him. And that's scripture. And he's seeking after you. Hopefully, going through those parables today, that was made clear. If I could have my title slide, please. The question I leave you is, but will you be found? I forgot to open my treasure chest. Was anybody on the edge of their seats? Okay. I forgot. I was supposed to do it in the beginning. You know, there's always a plan. Life doesn't go as planned. If you haven't figured that out yet, you will. But I'm learning still. But yeah, see how more effective this is when I actually do the locks? Okay, we ready? This is our treasures for today. I have a little treasure for everybody, if you'd like. There's little um, chocolates. I have both white chocolate and milk chocolate for your choice. I'm trying, I'm trying to make sure I cover everybody's preferences. 
but please grab some as you know the altar call might be really good today come come down to the front and get the closest you'll get first dibs but on your way out make sure to to grab a little uh, treat and um join us to you know I, I know i was making light but let's take a moment to respond to god and uh how he might be speaking to you right now in this moment. And uh, our baptism is getting ready. We'll just, you continue praying if you want as the baptism goes on or join us over here to watch. Just do what you feel led to do. But God is seeking us this morning and he'll never give that up. There'll never be a reason why he won't. So let's, let's believe that. And let's ask ourselves how that affects how that might change our response to him this morning. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your commitment to us, God. Lord, that you're seeking after us out of your great love for us, Lord. There's nothing we can do that would erase that love. There's nothing we can do that would change that love you have for us. Help us, Lord, to respond to your presence right now, however you speak to us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.